the Museum of South Texas History preserves and presents the borderline heritage of South Texas and Northeastern Mexico by telling the stories from the Rio Grande. Hello everyone, I'm Pamela Morales de Hendricks, the Communications Officer for the Museum of South Texas History. So we have another great interview with board members and co-founders and all the fun people working at Viva, the Village in the Valley organization. So today's interview will include Sabrina Walker Hernandez and Alfonso Gatling. So if y'all could introduce yourselves. My name is Sabrina Walker Hernandez and I'm so happy to be here. And I am Alfonso Gatling. Pleasure. Awesome. So very quickly, Sabrina, how long have you been in, well, are you originally from the Valley? That's really the first question. I'm not originally from the Valley. I'm originally from the East Coast, but I'm from the Southern East Coast. Um, I'm from the South. I was born in Virginia, spent half my life in Virginia, and the other half in North Carolina. So what made you, I guess, decide to move to the Valley? I did not know the Valley existed. I moved here in November of 92. I met my husband in the military. We were both in the Army. We were stationed in Fort Drum, New York, and we were both exiting out of the military. And he looked at me and he said, well, where do you want to go? And I said, well, I do not want to go back to North Carolina. I'm kind of done with North Carolina. And then he said, well, we could always go back to uh, South Texas. And I was like, okay, that that sounds cool. And the reason I said that sounds cool because it was June when we were having this discussion. And Fort Drum is about 20 miles from the Canadian border and it was snowing. And I remember him saying, it's always hot there. So I was like, I'm, I'm down, I, I can go, I can live like that. <laughs> if you get me out of the snow in June, I am good. So we decided to move, move to the Valley. I had never heard of the Valley until he made that mention. And this was what year? This was in 92. 92. Wow. Mm -hmm. So then you've been here. Oh, my math is terrible. Well, I'm 30. I was born 89. So 28 oh years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 28 years around there. Yeah. Wow. So you. Um, you my whole life. <laughs> yeah. My yes. <laughs> been in the Valley your whole life. Yes. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> so then would, did you all grow your family here? Well, we had, before we relocated here, we had two children. And then we added two children um, when we moved to, to McAllen, but they were all raised here. So it was a very good experience for my children, actually, to be raised around their grandmother. My mother-in-law only speaks Spanish, and she's from, she was born in Victoria, Mexico, and her, her mother lived in Reynosa, so they, that's how they, they came to this side of the United States. So, but my children had a great experience, and I really loved the fact that they were raised here. Awesome, and Alfonso? Well, I tell everybody that I ended up here due to a long line of twisted circumstances. Lots of things happened at different times to, to make it happen. So we're originally from Boston, Massachusetts. We relocated to San Antonio in 1989 after having recently got married uh, two years before, had a baby a year before, and moved away from family, friends, 
relatives, everything familiar to work with a church. Uh, I'm a licensed minister, and so at that time I was serving as a youth minister in the church organization. So we moved to San Antonio to help a church there that was kind of struggling. Stayed in San Antonio for eight years. My wife got a job offer to come here and work with at what was at that time Renaissance Day Surgery. And they had all these awesome plans for a hospital and started an outpatient rehab. And so they offered her the job to be the administrator of the outpatient rehab. And we took it. She took it. And so we moved here. Again, I'm like Sabrina, had never heard of the Valley. She came home after a previous trip talking about how wonderful it was and how there was palm trees and all these pretty flowers. And I was like, look, I just want to know, am I going to be the only guy in town with a car? Because, you know, I saw my westerns and what I knew about Texas was horses and tumbleweed. I just didn't want to be the only dude in town with a car. So she's like, no, no, it's a real city. I'm like, okay, you say so. I had never been. First time driving in was like, where are we going? (laughs) Doesn't the world end down here somewhere? Like, where is this place? And then, you know, the palm trees start popping up and the sun starts shining and the birds start chirping and the next thing you know, you're in the valley, and, and it's been wonderful. We, we've been here since 97, and it's been phenomenal. It's, it's been incredible. A, a ton of awesome things have happened. You know, raised four boys here. They all graduated from, local, from the local high school and gone on to college and, and gotten married. And, you know, now I have their families, and they're living all over the place. And we launched a church here of our own. And so, yeah, a lot of really big things and a lot of good things and a lot of smiles have occurred since being here. Sabrina, a question. Um, You mentioned that your children had a really great experience speaking with Teresa and Marsha and then mommy you know mommy kind of was very like oh yeah great experience but she told me a story about her going to the mall when she first got here and some people went up to her and were like oh we want to take a photo of you and I was like oh my gosh like what no um so I mean that was like you know a a little light-hearted story because she was laughing about it but you know it it happens it happens it happens when I first moved here when my my husband he said well there's no black people and all I heard was South Texas and I tell people this story all I heard was South Texas in my mind I'm from the south South there's always black yeah that's black people all over the south so I'm like okay whatever I didn't pay attention to him I disregarded him but then when I got here I was like oh I get it now and I remember you would see somebody black well this was my experience I won't say it with anybody else we all did we all all did you would see somebody black and you'd be so happy you didn't know them and you would hug them you see them driving you turn your car car around around and and just chase them down like hey hey how'd you get here how'd you get here and we had those conversations so that was that was a true experience and you're instantly friends from way back from way back and that that was interesting it it just happened i met my best friend in the in the walmart grocery Mm -hmm. aisle we were like hey hey 
hey, where'd you where'd you come from? That's it. That's <laughs> you know, it. So, That's it. Um, and now you now you see people, you know, they act like they don't see. Right. So then you have to go and remind them, you, hold on, fool. <laughs> right. <laughs> you gonna talk to me. You gotta talk to me. Because you gonna need to talk to me. Here's in a my, I'm gonna chase you down with my <laughs> cart. I'll run you over with this shopping cart. Don't be acting like you don't see me. Yeah. So it's you know, a little bit two different. of us in this store. You better yeah. act like you know. It's a little bit different from when we first arrived yeah. here in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody yeah. was yeah. like Oh my God! Somebody black and you were really like embrace each other. Now well, it's a little bit more because you know there's more of us. So you see some people now. You don't feel so alone. You right. might not know them, but right. okay, I know. You know, I see you over there. Okay, you know, yeah. but yeah. you still have to make sure to make that connection. You have to make a conscious know, effort now. You find out he's been here two years. And it's like, well, where you been for the last <laughs> two years? I go to work and I come home. And, yeah. Well, you need to get out. And let me introduce you to the people you need to you know, be introduced to. So, yeah. so you create a community. You create a network of people that you can reach out to and touch base with and that you can spend time with so that you can have you know, those familiar community conversations where you don't have to tell the whole story. You know, you just mm -hmm. start it and they know exactly what you're talking about and they're laughing before yeah. you even finish because it's familiar to everybody. Yeah. So and it's very easy to get isolated here. I can yeah. I can tell my story. Like although I moved here in ninety two, I moved here and I have okay, when I moved here I had two kids. I added one right away. So I had three, and I was going to college. I was going to UTRGV. I was working full time. So although he's been here since '97, and I've been here since '92, yeah, we didn't really me. connect until, until way later. What much way, later? I was kind of like later. very insulated in my bubble because I was school, work, home, school, work, home, kids, school, work, and that was it for me. I was not out joining like any groups or just being involved other than the university life so yeah it, it you can feel like you're isolated yeah. in a bubble if you're not careful so. yeah you have to be really intentional about yeah. getting out and making connections yeah. otherwise you'll travel in a little circle, circle and it'll just be you and the people that you see every day and when we moved here we had we had kids and a couple of them were you know older so we got involved in sports with mm -hmm. them right away and so then that became my introduction to the community because you know people saw my kids and they were playing and they wanted to talk to me about them and their future and I was like who are you and why are you talking to me and uh, okay whatever just yeah go away you stay over there <laughs> one of the things and this is for me this is this is the thing that I have enjoyed most about Texas Coming from the East Coast where people don't necessarily speak, when you, you know, look at somebody, you know, they give you that, you know, what you're looking at me for, kind of look back, you know, and you get down here and everybody wants to say hi, and everybody hug, wants to say you? hello, yeah, you know, and, it, and if you've got kids, you know, that, that, that whole, you know, evil ojos thing, you know, mm -hmm. where, you know, they got to touch you, touch you know, they got to touch your kid, and don't be pregnant because then they want to rub your belly, and like, that's like, that's like the carnal no-no, like, like don't touch me. Don't touch my kids because <laughs> that's going to get you in a world of hurt, you know. So you, you, you have to learn how to live in a culture that that's normal and expected. I, I, I tell the story, even when we were moving from Boston to Texas, I, I think I got to Arkansas, you know, driving in, my wife and I, and we walked in someplace and like everybody yelled, you know, hi. You know, and I was looking around like, who are they talking to? You know, I looked back at the door like somebody was coming in behind me because I figured they weren't talking to me. They had to be talking to somebody behind me. And I was like, oh, you talking to me? They're like, yeah, how you doing? I'm like, okay, I guess. You know, like, who are you? Why are you asking? You know, but, but you learn. And so now, you know, it's a part of our community because you, you either accept it 
or you you get frustrated and there's no need to be frustrated by people actually trying to be friendly you you just have to learn to kind of let your guard down and say it's okay no you don't have to give them you know your banking information or anything like that but it's okay to give them a hug and a, you know and a high five and a, you know how you doing and a you know a kiss on the cheek you know you know that kind of thing so and I'm from the south I was used to the hellos and the yeah, see, kiss I'm, on the cheek when you're from the north that's a whole somebody you might get stabbed don't don't be talking to me you don't know me don't be, don't be saying hi to me i guess the one thing that kind of threw me off was being in the grocery store but i understood it because i'm from the south so i respect my elders and the elderly ladies would yeah. come up to you yeah. and they would touch your hair yeah. or your skin yeah, yeah. and yeah. i guess because not to give you the ojos is what is what my yeah, husband would say yeah, and i would say that's, okay that's, okay that's, that's how i explained it to <laughs> they don't they don't mean to be rude i'm like why are people trying to touch me all the time or the little kids you know again i'm six three you know i'm 200 plus pounds so you know little kids look up at me like oh wow <laughs> you know like the what, what was that the minions the claw yeah. you know, you know, that kind of thing. So, so you you have to you have to get used to that you know until you learn you know to say hello to them and you know do the little kitty voices so that they become comfortable and then you know yeah grandma wants to come and touch you and like i said you know don't be pregnant because then they want to rub your belly and and it's like, and they want to see the baby, and you know, and they want to. They ask you nine thousand questions in Spanish, and you don't speak Spanish, and so you just like, like no sé, yeah, no sabe, you know. And so, but you, again, you learn. Yeah, you know, here I am now. You know, my niece says you're fluent. You can say more than hola. So I'm like, I am not fluent at all. My wife has become fluent as a result of you know having to do work here and be actively involved in people's care. So it, you you you're forced. You know, to learn the things that you need to learn in order to kind of get along, but it, it makes for some great mm -hmm. stories and, and great relationships down the road. Yeah, I mean, a lot of things that you all said nowadays would be like, that is so racist. So I'm very like, uh, wait, what? And when you all are acting like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Oh, like, you know, racism yes. for me, yeah. racist yeah. It is, it's, it's not necessarily racist. It, Racist for me or racism for me, it depends on the intent. Right. And if your intent exactly. is to learn right. and to be right. engaged and not judged, then it's, to me it's perfectly, <laughs> perfectly fine. I'd rather you ask me, I'd rather you touch my hair, touch my skin, yes, than the disregard me. Touching yeah. me. But yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, this is the key, and, and I, I've, had to, I've, I've had to say this before. There, there is a, a difference, and I, mm -hmm. I guess I agree with Sabrina, it's about intent. When you, when all you have for a point of reference is what you see on television, and I recognize that what is put on television most times is not necessarily the best light for the best of us. It is most often, and this is for all people of color, it's not just for black people, it is what is the worst of the least of us, but it's what's held up as all of us. So. When you don't know, you just don't know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for somebody, you know, to, to want to touch you because they're trying to respect what they believe to be culturally correct, mm -hmm. not because they want to see if it rubs off, but because they don't want any harm to come to you, you have to respect them for that. Like, like okay, I appreciate you not wanting to do me any harm, but I'm also not necessarily the greatest person to want to be touched. So like I, I gotta kinda, you know, come down off of that a little bit, but you gotta stop running up to everybody that you see that look like me and trying to touch them because you might catch one 
on the wrong day, and then they're going to give you what you see on television, and then you're going to think that we're all like that, but that's that's not how we are. So so a lot of it is really about education. You know, when, when, when I, I tell you, again, the, the little kid in the grocery store, you know, a, a good friend of mine, I, I won't say his name because he, he'd be absolutely mortified because his wife wanted to crawl up underneath the cereal counter when it happened. Her son says to me, and I know them well. I, I've been involved in this kid's life before his mama got pregnant. I, I knew he was coming, you know, that kind of thing. And so he's like, man, you're so dark. You know, and she's like, oh, my God, why would you say that? That's so wrong to say. But he wasn't being racist. No. He was just like. It was an like, observation. Like, Mr. Al, like, yeah. you really are dark, you yeah. know, and, and then you're really tall. You know, like, you're really different from, you know, from what I yeah. see every day. And so you 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 learn how to embrace them that that want to know better and you learn how to avoid them that really are ignorant yeah. and and not because they have lack of information but because they choose, choose to, to think mm -hmm. a particular way that allows them to not grow mm -hmm. yep. and and that then becomes real ignorance yeah. because you're choosing to stay stuck in a mindset that does not allow you to advance with the rest of the world, who's recognizing that the color of my skin has nothing to do, as Martin Luther King would say, with the content of my character. Mm -hmm. When you learn to treat me the way I deserve to be treated based on the way that I treat you, then we can have some real conversation. But if you just want to treat me some way because of what you see initially, which is the color of my skin, that's a you issue. That's not a me issue. And once I recognize that that is your issue, then I have a choice. I don't have do to I want to be you. bothered with you or do I want to leave you alone? And for your safety and my sanity, I should probably just leave you alone. very very powerful yeah. especially when you're dealing with with children and yeah. and and residents of the valley who mm -hmm. really never have been well, in contact look, and, with and, and this like. is not this is not a a knock against the valley again I, i've been here since 97 it was a great space for me to raise my kids and and give them you know this this community aspect of how we live but what what happens is you have fully grown adults that think going from McAllen to far is far. Yeah, that's a distance. They, they've never been anywhere. <laughs> yeah. they, they, like their their greatest trip is, you know, the Corpus. Yeah. Maybe to San Antonio. But you have some that have never left the valley. So they think that everything else looks like this. So so I have been I have been on, on a on a serious campaign forever. If you're graduating high school and you're going to go to college, the same money it takes to go to UT, RGV, or to go to STC, it costs to go somewhere else. Yeah, the U of H. That's what and the wonderful thing is those schools are looking for you to bring your diversity to them. Mm -hmm. But you'll also get to pick up the diversity from there for you. So go to school and don't come back. One of, one of the projects that Viva is involved with is the Grande Narrative. Mm -hmm. And there are some McAllen graduates that went away to college. And when they got outside of here, they found out very quickly 
that they were no longer a majority. They were considered a minority. And that that minority was a minority of color. And that there was a treatment of people of color in other communities that was nothing like the community that they had grown up in. And they felt like they had been misled. Like they hadn't been prepared. Like they weren't told the truth. So they came back as, as, as college students and said, you have got to do a better job, public schools, of telling us who we really are and how other people see us. Stop making us feel like we're the only ones. Because when we get out of here, it's we ain't the, the only ones. Yeah. We are just another one. And being just another one can be very, very traumatic. If it's your first experience. Exactly. Because you're not exactly. prepared. You're not prepared. You're not prepared you're not for it. Prepared. And so they, they did. They fought really hard. They went to the school board. They got in front of the state legislature. And they actually have been successful at getting the schools to offer black history and Mexican-American history as an option for your history, as opposed to U.S. history or Texas history. Yeah. So, so, so now you have an opportunity. And the wonderful thing is, it's not even being taught at the high school level. It's being taught from the college. STC has stepped in and said, yes, we'll teach those classes for you. We'll, we'll make that information available to your students so that students, all of us of color, have the opportunity to learn what it means to be of color in the United States because that in and of itself is a lot yes. to deal with. That's, that was probably my husband's biggest struggle, having joining the military and leaving the valley to, to go. He, you know, I grew up in the South, so it doesn't bother me. You know, this whole conversation around Robert E. Lee and the statues, and yeah. it's just something about, you get used to it. Yeah. You, you yeah. get When you used live with it, it every day, you yeah. get used it's to it. It's just another, so part, another he, thing. Yeah, it's just another thing, but he had a very hard time he was stationed in Fort Lee, Virginia, and he had a very hard time being treated as an other because he grew up in the Valley. He had a very hard time being in Charleston, South Carolina, where you still have as a historical marker and people mm -hmm. still visit where the slave auction blocks were. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's so in your face. And I'm like, yeah. I don't even see it. Like, yeah, I literally yeah, yeah, don't yeah, yeah, see yeah. it. I go about my everyday business and it doesn't affect me Look, although i know the intention when it was first done was to yeah. affect my ancestors and to remind them of where the you know yep. psychological warfare mm -hmm. but as a certain generations you just get used to it and you walk past it it doesn't it doesn't but from him it was very hard if you're but not you, prepared you, you, but just, you don't right if you don't know that if you don't <laughs> see that if you don't understand that when when you're first confronted with it it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. It's a challenge. Like I, again, from the East Coast, from Boston, there, there is hard racial divide. You know, like I, I can remember my aunt moved into South Boston, mm -hmm. which was all white forever. But then public housing decided we're desegregating and we're going to force integration. And so my aunt got an apartment in South Boston. Now I go home and all of Roxbury is 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 is, is diversified. But it's 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 learning these things. It's knowing these things. It's it's having the information that that helps you. So you know, coming to Texas, you know, for me, uh, okay, there, there's certain things that I know I need to look out for. You know, there, there's certain places you just don't stop. You know, and then you hear some of the stories. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, it was it, it was. Um, 
Viter, Texas. You Viter, know? They, you know, drug a dude to death up there, you know. So yeah, I get yeah. gas in Houston and speed up through Beaumont and I, you know, fly through Viter because I don't want to have to have no problem, yes. you know, and try to get someplace where, you know, people have a little more reasonableness to them. But that's not what we came in. That's about. not what we came in. <laughs> Well, like thinking, is this one of the reasons why y'all are so involved with Viva? Because you're yeah. bringing those experiences into this organization. Because, from my understanding, Viva is really trying to, you know, obviously highlight the Black communities in the RGB, but also blending RGB culture. So it just it makes sense now why you would be involved. Yeah, I, I'm personally I'm I was I I don't think Al noticed I'm not a joiner by nature, and so when I did get involved with Village in the Valley, it the mission the the purpose of it really resonated with me because I think what we're trying to do is so important. Not only introduce the valley to what it is what it means to be black but also connecting those other cultures because i would be the first to say like i don't know a lot about the the filipino culture mm -hmm. or the vietnamese culture mm -hmm. i don't know a lot about it about them but as you learn the more you learn the less ignorant you mm -hmm. become and the better person you become. And so I want to be a better human on this planet. And Viva's given us the opportunity to do that by connecting those cultures. Yeah. So th that's one of the reasons why it really resonates with me. Because I think we, as Americans, yes, I am an American. I, I full-heartedly American, served in, served in the military, did all that. But we still have a cultural background that we have to acknowledge and, and recognize that we all bring something different to the table. Even as the black community, you know, there's their- We're not there's, all the same. We're not all the <laughs> not same, all the which same. is totally amazing to me because I grew up in the we're South where all the we black people was the same. We have yeah. some common experiences, but we are not. All the same. It's like we don't all look alike. We don't all look alike. We We're not all, all the alike. same. Yeah. You know, there's people who like Marsha's the Caribbean descent mm -hmm. that influences how she is. And then that's Caribbean with a Canadian twist, twist to it. To it. I mean, and yeah, and then, then, then get, like real African Africans. Yeah, and like, people straight from Africans. Gambia. Yeah, as, as my friend would say, you know, fresh off the boat. Fresh, yeah, it's like <laughs> whoa. We have common experiences, but sometimes we're totally different. Yeah. Like I and see things completely yeah. from opposite ends. Like I mean, just come at it from a completely different direction and so it makes it it makes for unique experiences and interesting conversations very interesting conversations because i had a conversation with mommy and it was like i feel so comfortable with you mommy i'm gonna ask you because i had an impression for a very long time that people of african descent didn't necessarily like African Americans, right? Right, and she was like, "Yeah, yeah, that it could be that because, and it made sense the way she said it. Mm -hmm. She goes, they think that you guys had it easy, and I'm like, really? And if you look at it from their perspective, right. they probably do think we had right. it easy. You know, we're Americans. We have right. all these opportunities, right? right? And if you just look at it as Most all of them these have to fight for the opportunities, that just they to get, eat, right? Just right. to survive. And then when survive. one gets out, I mean, they're, they're constantly throwing a lifeline back to pull the next one in, and right. we're just here saying, just go do it, do it. just right. go do it. You know, right. they, the struggle to make it happen. Isn't the same, but I, I think they don't see the job. they don't see Jim Crow South. Yeah, they no, don't no, they don't no, know Jim Crow no, South. No, they don't know. No. Uh, they just see about the prosperous 
United States, Americans, but they don't know the history of Jim Crow. They don't know the history of segregation. They don't know the history of institutional racism. All they see is, you're American. American. You were born in America. What are you complaining about? No complaints. (laughs) You got running water and paved roads. Exactly. So you have nothing to be complaining about. But I think think that, that, and help me if I'm wrong, but I think that that's the, the same kind of struggle that you have in the Hispanic community with Mexican nationals and Mexican Americans, quote unquote, because there's a friction there. there. There's there's a there's a place where they don't connect. They don't see eye to eye because one sees the other one a particular way. And and so we do that. Now now some of that for us, you know, comes from a whole lot of other places and you know it, it you know goes back to plantation living and so even even as Americans Black Americans, African Americans, whatever American you want to put on it, we struggle with each other, you mm-hmm. know, because you know we we have that, you know, the whole light skinned, dark skinned, and mm-hmm. you know the house and the field, and 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 so we we we, we 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 disagree with each other on how good we got it, yeah. and then somebody else is looking at all of us saying, "But you got it better than me. How are you <laughs> complaining at all?" Yeah. And the reality is, we're all complaining. We're all complaining at some level. At, exactly. As opposed <laughs> to just saying, you know what, we're all in this together. We just happen to be at a different perspective in it, we're still all in it together. So yes, to your question, that is a large part of why, you know, Viva exists and why we are actively engaged in it because there there is a there's a history that needs to be passed on, there's a future that needs to be encouraged, and there's a level of commitment that has to be fostered. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you don't if you don't do that, if we, if we don't do that as parents with our kids and with our kids' kids, then at some point we absolutely lose the richness of who we are because we're just too busy being our, being our own self. And, and there's no communal aspect to any of the stuff that we're doing. And so what are some of those like future future goals? Because you just started in 2019. Well, yeah. I mean, you've been talking about it for a while, but 2019 was really like, okay, we're going to go. So what do you see in the future? Like, how do you see this organization really incorporated in the RGV? So, yeah, it's been roller skates since, the, you know, I was roller a part skates, of the, skates, the, the, founding, the founding members and having this conversation. So in 2019, we got a nonprofit status. In 2020, we worked on our strategic plan. And so we have some goals that are established in our strategic plan. And some of those goals really are just to make, just to make people aware of who Viva is, the first thing is to build brand awareness because Viva is for all people. It's not just for people, for black people. That's one. It's It's for all people. It's for people who feel like they want to learn about other cultures and they want to connect in their community. So how do we build brand awareness around that and how do we market that message so that when you look at Viva, you don't say, oh, that's for the black people because that's not what it is. The other one is to make sure that the African-American or black experience is documented in the valley. You know, people don't don't know the, the don't know the history and how it's the, entwined the and, and contribution. the hey, contributions well, the of black people. That they've made in the to valley. the valley. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they 
you have those that, and I'm sorry, I apologize for interrupting. Perfect. You have those that, that say there is no contribution, and then we say, hold on a second, let's let's look at this, and, and we're learning it. You know, we we got involved with this Texas Trails thing and found out, you know, that that a lot of slaves escaping slavery came south mm -hmm. and was getting from the Jackson Ranch a ride across the river into Mexico. And then you find out that there were whole communities of African Americans or Africans living in Mexico that eventually learned to speak Spanish, but they didn't lose their skin, skin color. color. Yeah, and the re re uh, you know just the realization that in Mexico, what just a couple of years ago, they added African or Afro to the census. It's yeah. like. Okay, yeah. this yeah. is all connected. This is all up. making sense now. It's, yeah. it's, it's happening. And so I think that those are some of our primary goals right now. And we just invite people to, to join us in that goal. Yeah. And that sounds like that's just two goals. It's a lot of work because yeah. you're working on mindset. Yeah. You know, when you're starting to talk about working on mindset, it takes time to work on mindset. And so we're just very happy to to be able to be a part of the awakening in the Rio Grande Valley. We, we were fortunate that things happened the way they happened, when they happened, and our organization was being birthed at the same time. So some of the things that, that we've been involved in weren't necessarily things that we thought we were going to be involved in. Like, like we tell the story straight up truth from the very beginning when, when uh, the True. Gatlings and the Terries got together and had a conversation about doing this Viva thing. You know, we were actually thinking about bringing back the NAACP. And somebody's like, but do you want that political aspect of the NAACP? And do you want all that goes along with the NAACP? Or do you just want something that you all can develop into what it is that you're doing? Which is just trying to find a way to bring people together. So we really, you know, we was like, look, we're gonna have some good barbecues. We're gonna have, you know, some good, some good fish fries. Socials. We're gonna play, you know, we're gonna play some spades. You know, we're gonna drink red Kool-Aid. Yeah. You know, we, we're, we're gonna, gonna be do black. all, yeah, Not all the stuff you know, that, we, that we say we do. You know, yeah. as, as a community. You know, and then something happened, yeah. and somebody said, well, how do you feel about that? Well, how do I feel about it? Well, how does Viva feel about it? Oh, I don't know how Viva right. feels about it. So wait a minute, let me see how the organization feels about it because the organization isn't really a person, but it, it has a consciousness. Yeah. So then we have to be real clear about how we articulate the consciousness of the organization when it does and doesn't agree with how we feel personally. Yes. So then we had to make sure that, that we were lining things up and, and putting out information that allowed people to feel like they, they had a, a space to voice the way they felt about the things that were going on around them. Mm -hmm. And then we found commonality. Well, wait a minute, you know, like, I feel like that too. Well, that's how we should feel. Oh, I think like that too. Well, that's how we should think. We should be a group together. We should all be saying and moving and doing the same thing so that them that think differently from us recognize that they're not picking off one of us. They're really coming at a group of us and that our numbers are much greater because in in community there is a greater strength than there is in individualism. So as a result, when you bring like-minded people together and you all say together the same thing, it's heard more clearly. So that that people of the community is clear that this is who we are and this is how we we want things to go and anything outside of that 
comes against all of us because it affects all of us. It's not the isolated incident. It's not, it's not the one-off situation. It's really how you approach everyone that's connected to that one. None of us are really an island. Even though, like Sabrina mm-hmm. said earlier, you know, sometimes we can feel isolated, mm-hmm. we can feel all alone. We can't. We can get it in, a, in, in a, our in bubbles. A, yeah, get in our little world and, and be stuck in our little circle. But the reality is what happens to me still affects everybody that looks like me. Because if I act crazy, then the next time they see somebody that looks like me, they're going to expect them to act crazy. crazy too. <laughs> if I act like I got, you know, some good sense some common decency, then maybe they'll relax a little bit. And the next conversation that they have with somebody that looks like me will go smoother because, well, you know, he wasn't bad, so maybe they won't be bad. And, and you have to approach it that way. So the, the future is, is like tremendously bright. It's, again, Viva has already become way more, I think, than we thought it was going to be because, again, we were just looking to have some good barbecue. <laughs> But we've, 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 we've developed a, 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 a voice that's not political, but, but it's heard in the political arena. Yeah. Like we, we did some stuff with the McAllen mayoral race. And Edinburgh is now saying, hey, Oz is coming up. We expect you to do the same thing for us. You know, we know that you're out there. We saw what you did. We like the way that went off. And nobody's doing that on a grassroots level. Nobody's doing that on a community level. So we want you to bring that, you know, to us. And then we found out about the Calandric Museum. And, and it's a small little voice saying, hey, here we are. This is, you know, the black experience in terms of education here in the Valley. And so, we're, you know, we're shining light and giving, you know, amplification to that voice by... Mm-hmm pushing others in that direction. And, and so, you know, we, it's, it's taking on a, a tremendous structure. Yeah. It, it's really coming together and we're learning so much. And, and we have all gone beyond what are our, our comfort zones, our boundaries, and we've had to do more and be more and, and say more and show up more than we ever imagined initially. Mm-hmm. And, and the wonderful thing, again, like Sabrina said, is, is it's not about us, you know, the four of us that got it started, the eight of us that serve on the board. It's about all of us that want to be a part of something that's going somewhere. And like I said to somebody else, the wonderful thing is my great-grands will be able to look at this organization, whether they're actively involved or not, and say, my great-grandpa started that. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what Viva has become. The thing that we can leave to generations to come to still have a place to have their voice heard. And that's not just, like Sabrina said, a black voice. It's a voice of socially conscious, open-minded, open-hearted people that just want some place to belong with other people that think and feel the same way and will say, What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. And where we disagree, let's have conversation. Not argument, not debate, just conversation. And we may not ever fully agree, but at least we'll have a greater understanding of where you're coming from. And a greater respect for you. Right. So it really is. It's about building that respect of different cultures and bringing us all together. And so we want to create spaces where people can have conversations and be respectful of each other. And receive a compassionate ear an understanding heart, an open mind, and a willing hand. Mm -hmm. So then, is there plans to stay in the valley? 
Oh, this is a va- Viva yeah. is a Valley yeah. organization. Yeah. 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 I'm not leaving the I'm not leaving I, the Valley. I can't I have afford no to go nowhere else. <laughs> I actually I'm love. Finding it the hard valley. to go to the corner right now, yeah. but I, you know, the, the the reality. Somebody somebody asked me that. You know, oh, don't you want to move back to Boston? I'm like, for what? Y'all still get snow, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> no. no. You know, but but I mean, the the valley has been a phenomenal place, and and the growth here has been incredible. I mean, you know, again, I moved here in '97. Where I live now, most of that was orange groves, and now it's all you know developed. You know, subdivisions and and neighborhoods, and you know, there there's Tremendous, tremendous growth. Are, are we, you know, where, you know, San Antonio, Houston, or Dallas? No, no. But I see the valley kind of where I saw San Antonio when I moved there in 89. You know, that it was just a big, small town. So we're, we're still growing, and we're, we're inviting more people in, and, and, and it's, for lack of a better term, a, a high caliber of people. Yeah. They come in with, you know, with something to offer to yeah. the community. You know, they, they're not... Just, you know, come in to sit on the corner and uh, yeah. drink a 40. I, I, foresee the, <laughs> you know, I, see for, I foresee the valley just be growing and becoming more diverse, mm-hmm. uh, believe it or not. I mean, with the university, with the medical school, mm-hmm. with uh, SpaceX, it, it's, gonna, it's, bound, it's bound to happen, you know. It is going to become more diverse. And so we, we personally, personally, I am here to stay. And I think this organization, not I think, I know this organization is here to stay. We started this organization so it could have an impact and so that it will continue to grow. It is an organization that will be around uh, for the future because I think we're always going to have to have open, respectful conversations. conversations. There'll always be room to talk. Yes, always room to talk. So, yeah. and that's what we are about. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Like I asked of mommy and had yeah. that oh yeah. aha moment. Like okay, yeah. I get that get now. So, but you it. know the, the 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 wonderful thing is, and and I think we're we're already seeing this. And just to to talk a little bit more about the future of Viva, is that we have because of some of the things that we're trying to do, we've connected with people outside of this community, and so we're starting to see our vision impact other people's visions for their community. So I see us having the possibility of being involved in other things outside of here that may or may not be named Viva, but will have the flavor of Viva attached to it because the active participants in, in Viva are involved in those things. And, and again, like, you know, with the, with the Grandy Narrative, with the Texas Historical Commission, yeah. with the Illumination, uh, with the Illumination Project. Project, and there's, a, there's another guy, I don't even know if, if Marshall never told you this, there's another guy that joined that conversation with them, and he's tied to the guy that they're getting the instruction from, but he's someplace else working to do the same kind of thing. And so that gives him, you know, somebody to sound things off of. And so so when you bounce ideas off of people, you, you inevitably pick something up from them. And so, again, that, that's the, the mix of this flavor ending up, you know, in other communities and, and, and finding like-mindedness across the country so that then it's, you know, yeah, you know, Viva's, you know, home is here, but it's got, you know, tentacles and reaches into other communities and have an impact on other people's lives. And, and, and you know, we, man, we, we've had, as a result of Viva, we've got people writing books and doing podcasts and ending up on, you know, all these bigger platforms. And again, none of us was expecting. None I mean, of us saw it coming. <laughs> yeah, you know, but they're, they're like, hey, can you get on? My, my wife was on something because of Viva with the Indian community. 
And I mean, it was all over the world. Like it wasn't just McAllen's Indian community. It was the Indian community. It was a, a, a global International. Yeah, yeah. thing that this guy was doing. And you know, she, you know, the only black woman on there, you know, and they're like, well, tell us about what you're doing. And, you know, she, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, here we go, you know. But so, so like, I mean, like the open door, the open door that, that Viva and, and the grace of God, you know, has created uh, for us has really, really had a tremendous impact both uh, mentally and socially. Yes. If that's yes. the right way to put it. Yes. Okay. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add before we close? You know, if you're interested website in membership, you can join. look at our website. It's uh, villageinthevalley.org. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can and find Instagram. Us on Instagram. We're Village in the Valley, Valley. RGV on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Instagram RGV Viva. There you go. There you go. But we, we really are. If you're interested, there's a ton of information there. Our contact info is there. You can reach out to us and somebody will get right back to you. We do have a phone number. If that's you visit on our website, website, it's all and it'll there. come directly to me. Perfect. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining. Um, and for those of you who are listening, we will have some of that information in the episode notes. So thanks for listening to Stories from the Rio Grande. This podcast was brought to you by the Betty S. Kelso Foundation. It was produced by the Most History Communications team and edited by freelance podcast editor Leah Victoria Juarez. The song is Carpe Diem by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons. Follow us on Anchor to hear more about stories from the Rio Grande. Send your questions through the Anchor app. You can also subscribe to this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Most History, Stories from the Rio Grande.